Talking with Girlfriends is our therapy, our entertainment, and our education. Join me, Madden Chate Jones, and my good girlfriend, Tennille Daniels, for an hour of healing through hospitality as we welcome friends from across the lifestyle and wellness spaces to join us for some good, healthy girl talk. Pull up a seat, get comfortable, and make yourself at home. You are now listening to Love Madden, the podcast. Hey, girl, hey. Hey, how are you? Fantastic. I like your nail color. Thank you. The nail tech was like, oh, you look like you're going to the beach. I said, no, but I just wanted some brightness on my hands. I rarely do bright colors. So this bright pink is giving me some life. I wanted to do neon green, Hmm. but I was like, let me actually save that for the beach. Right. And then the neon green, you have to do the white base underneath for it to really pop. It takes a little bit longer. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. that I didn't have time yesterday, so I'm glad I didn't do it. Exactly. I went bright on the toes, but I went my normal... Neutral. Bubble gum on the hands. <laughs> no, it's not bubble <laughs> Cotton candy. You no. know all the pink. <laughs> I know every 50 shades of light pink, okay? Um, yeah, I went I went pale pink, and I love it here. So, what That's are you loving? a lo- nice neutral color. <laughs> Thank you. What are you loving this week? What am I loving this week? This week, I am loving two small businesses. Um, you know, I've been in this celebration space because... All my friends are turning 40 and celebrating. And so some of us are still firmly in our 30s. Yeah. You know what? This is a digression. Love that for me. (laughs) There was um, one of my good friends, her friend, who I thought was turning 40 with us this year, is only turning 38. And I'm like, what are you you people doing? Why aren't you aging (laughs) as fast as I am? Right. Anyway, um, from the old lady gang, what I'm loving is (laughs) custom bloom bouquets by Moments by Mick. Um, She did my 40th birthday bloom bouquet. Um, She did a Mother's Day bouquet for me. And then she just did one for my friend's birthday. And these custom bouquets, they never miss. And so I just love her and want to shout her out. And then the second um, company that I am loving, and we've talked about her before, is our good friend, Taisha with Dippin' Ain't Easy. I got my mom and um, my aunt and my grandmother some breakable hearts for Mother's Day, and they absolutely love them. So it's just a way to, I think, elevate your gifting experience. Mm-hmm. You can put gift cards, money, candy, whatever in these breakable hearts. And um, yeah, it just adds a little bit of zhuzh to the excitement. So right. want to shout out those two amazing black owned black women owned small businesses yes and the um hearts come like with the mallet with the little instructions yes. ready to go already packaged it's cute and she'll put whatever candy you want in them like it's totally custom so yeah, yeah i definitely that. want to do one of those um dipping ain't easy 32 on instagram if you're yes. trying to find her on the find her interwebs yeah true so what are you loving this week <clears throat> i'm loving so many things that i had a bright idea what's wrong is my my um thing isn't moving. No, you're 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 here. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm loving so many things um this week. Uh so I had a, a bright idea related to that. So the first thing is I'm just gonna tell y'all all of them and then I'm gonna tell y'all my bright idea. So the first thing is I love the black girl magic wine. I have received is that what it's called? Tanil, why are you mm-hmm. looking at me like that? Oh, okay. Yeah, Black Girl Magic Wine from the McBride Sisters. I had received all of these bottles of wine for my birthday. Everybody was like, so what do you want for your birthday? Wine? I mean, this is the inner dialogue they had with themselves because they didn't ask me. Me too. <laughs> I got about 
20 bottles of wine for my birthday. I'm like, is this the new? I don't even know what the other gift used to be, but everybody's giving wine. I got so much wine. So I've been able to try the red blend, the white blend, the rosé, the bubbles, um, the McBride sisters. It doesn't say black girl magic, but it's like the their other whatever the, the vintage yeah. <laughs> the can okay right. i've had all of it um in the last several weeks and it's really good i think i might have said this on the show before but Tanil knows wines that are not the best give me a little tingle in the back of my throat and i've looked mm-hmm. it up and it's something now i can't remember if it's sulfates or sulfites or something in them that uh, basically causes like the back of my throat to like itch and it gives me this like really weird feeling so everybody's on this snoop dog cali red and oh i did want to try that i can tell you all it's not quality based on my Ooh. litmus test that tingle <laughs> i'm telling you guys if you want to know if the wine is good or not let me take a sip. I have a built-in. Um, <laughs> cheap Odar. Odar. Ding, 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 ding. It's giving cheap. But the Black Girl Magic Red, um, it passed the litmus test. So I love that. I also love Cookie Unity. So you guys know I have been doing Sun Basket meals. Um, mm-hmm. So I ordered Cookie Unity. They're already like prepared meals. There's like Freshly and all these other brands, but I just needed to carve out a little bit more time. So first I was doing Sun Basket to carve out like the meal planning and grocery shopping, but I still was cooking. And even though they were 20 and 30 minute meals, um, I needed still something time. that we could just write, just pop mm-hmm. in. So I love Cook Unity. The price is right. Um they taste good and they're all chef inspired and they're all mm. types of meals, right? So there are like different cultures. So like there's like Nigerian chef. So there's like a jollof oh. and, you know, a chicken stew meal. There's some Thai meals. There's Vietnamese food, which I'm really like into right like in this month of life. So lots of good foods and all the information is on the front in terms of like the proteins. If you're looking at macros or whatever, you know, y'all be looking at all that stuff is right on the front. So I try to go with the ones that have lower carb and lower fat and higher protein. Um, So yeah, I love those. And like I said, the price is good. And then the final thing that I really like in this last week is this, I have this bra on right now by Third Love. It is the best bra I have ever tried on. And this is not a sponsored post like ad. It is not, but so that brought me to my great idea. So great bra and panty set. They have, um, after the baby, I started wearing like the high rise brief or actually while I was pregnant. And then I just kept on after. And I was like, you know what? I I can't do the low rise because the way my stomach is set up now, I feel like it's like going over the low rise. It's not what it used to be. And then the high rise just felt too frumpy. Like I'm covered all the way to my belly button. So they have a mid rise, um, mm. which I love and it's perfect for me. And then I love the 24-7 t-shirt bra. So I reached out to them and I checked into being an affiliate and they made, gave me an affiliate link. So, <laughs> so I was like, I have all these affiliate links I don't use. I have an affiliate link for um, with Lara and Cultivate What Matters. I have an affiliate link with this bra with some of this cookware stuff. So what I'm getting ready to do, and I'll let you guys know in the um, email newsletter when it goes out, is I'm going to create a page on my website called The Love List. And I'm going to share all of the things that I love. Um, love it. And you guys can get them and you can use my referral link and I'll get a little kickback for putting you on. So that's pretty much it. Well, I'll wait till you get that third love affiliate yes, link up before you. I buy 
buy my bra. Thank you. I appreciate that. So yeah, I figured I'm sharing all this stuff anyway. Nobody's giving me run, money to run this podcast. So the least they can do is give me a little kickback to kick, sell these bras and planners and what else, whatever else. You I'm better selling. get it, and then get me, give me a cut on the back end because the other day I was walking out of Heron Space, mm-hmm. and one of my good friends was walking. No, I was walking in. Mm-hmm. She was walking out, and then she said that she had heard about it on off the of the podcast. podcast. Child, I've had several so. people tell me that they've tried things because they've heard it on the podcast. So mm-hmm. we need to figure it out. I've also, if you're listening to this and you do want to support the podcast, because we haven't made a red cent off this podcast. In fact, it cost us money to do it. You can scroll to the bottom of the show notes and there's a link that says support the podcast. And um, our hosting site actually has a way that you can link directly to the Love Madden PayPal and, you know, buy us a coffee. Send us five bucks. Send us a a thank you. Yeah. So that's a new feature on there. So, yes, let us talk about what we're supposed to be talking about this week. We are continuing our May series on home and family life because we are all home. Last week we had. um, Correction. I'm not home no more. Oh, she's out in the I'm outside. <laughs> she's out in the streets. I'm joking. Proceed. She's vaxxed, waxed, and got her income tax. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm still home for the most part. Um, so we're doing this series on home and family life. Um, but last week, y'all know if you are like a faithful listener that we did not release an episode last week. Um we had a technical issue that actually caused us to lose half of the recording. And it was so much good content in it that we just didn't think it made sense for us to share the second half. And so we're going to get with our guest, um, Tanya. She's going to come back and re-record with us this summer. And we're going to play that um, next uh, season. So season four, um, we're going to be talking about her now international organization, Black Moms Connection for the episode Momming While Black. So look out for a bonus episode um, either right before season four starts or we'll fit it into our season four schedule. But today, drum roll please, Today, we are honored to chat with one of our um, really good friends in real life and one of our greatest encouragers here on the podcast. If you're in the DMV area, you may know her from her rise to local charcuterie celebrity, Um, but she's here today to talk about her work over the past six years as an intentional um, parent raising conscious kids. Um, So welcome to season three, episode 15, Intentional Parenting. And now it's my opportunity to welcome our good friend to the table, Rachel Dance. Rachel is currently an instructional coach in an elementary school with over 10 years of experience in the field of education. She truly believes in the idea that everyone has the capacity to grow and change for the better if we're willing to put in the necessary reflection, energy, and action. She applies that philosophy to all areas of her life as an educator, wife, and mother of three who is intentionally seeking to be and to encourage those in her sphere of influence to be more conscious, more anti-racist, and more thoughtful about how we show up in the world. Let's welcome to the table, Rachel. Rachel, hey girl. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Welcome to the table. This is Rachel um, of Arlia Board Co. So I know- So many of our listeners, because we, that's another company we shouted out on here. So many of our listeners um, 
love them some Arlia Board Co. So this is the same Rachel, guys. All right. So let's jump in with our first background question. Rachel's an avid listener, so she knows how this goes. If you had to, (laughs) if you had to describe yourself, not just what you do, but who you are at your core in just a few sentences, what would you say? Yeah. So I would say I'm a mother, I'm a wife, I'm a sister, I'm a daughter, I'm a cousin, sister, friend. Those who are in that group know what that means. <laughs> um, I think I very much define myself from who I closely do community with. Um, with that said, I keep my circle really small. I keep my life pretty private. Um, I've even been described as like a hard nut to crack. So maybe your deeper dive questions will hmm. start to crack away at that. <laughs> um, uh, but once you're in the circle, you're in and um, it's hard to get back out of there. <laughs> I would also say um, as an educator, I'm a lifelong learner. And that's probably like the most cliche thing that like educators say. But like I really highly value always being able to learn and grow more. Mm-hmm. So whether that's like parenting or marriage or anti-racism or like living toxic free, all those things, um, I'm constantly trying to learn more and do more. And I am like, go, 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 like full throttle kind of person. So whatever I try, I try to do the most, <laughs> which can take a lot of energy, yes. but also causes me. I.e. those boards. <laughs> yeah, yes. yes. The boards were the uh-huh. most, okay? They, yeah, they were the most. Um, but that makes me like have to consciously always slow down and savor the moment. I swear, like mm. my word of the year has been savor mm. for like the past, I don't know how many years. Um. So yeah, with that being said, always going, I consciously have to like slow down and save her. So I'm someone who's always reflecting on that as well. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And so our next question, I think it is all about, it relates directly to you savoring um, like the, the moments, right? And the so, community piece, like how she described yes. herself with community. Yeah, it does. So Love Madden, as you know, is centered around healing through hospitality. What does that mean to you? How do you believe we grow as individuals through how we relate to others? And you touched on that a little bit a few moments ago. Yeah, I think, first of all, I love your healing through hospitality thing. I think you both live it in so many ways, just knowing you personally. Um, But for me, I think of it as like welcoming and engaging and relating with people in a way that makes space like for that healing to happen. Mm -hmm. So like as a mom and an educator and even like as a wife, and I think so much of how I'm able to connect with my own intentions, um, thinking about my own actions and reactions to things impacts how how well I'm able to make that space for others, right? So the more we connect with our own intentions, the more we're able to make that space to show up and make that space for healing for others. That's good. And I think what you said about keeping your circle small or at least having a smaller circle, like with me, I have a wider circle, but then within the circle, I still have a smaller circle. So I don't know if I would say keep my circle small because I've got, you know, levels, right? Um, But that smaller circle, um, that's where the healing happens because like you said, that's where you create that safe space. And some of that can permeate out to associates and coworkers and neighbors and other people that are in the broader circle um, that we're just kind of kind to and say hello to and maybe, you know, 
we'll catch up for coffee one day. But that that healing that happens in the inner circle, the benefits, I think, kind of like um, ripple out into all of our, um, yeah. So even the platforms that we have, even the, you know, the work that we do or the part-time, the side hustles that we have, people are able to kind of see the result of those, um, healing relationships in that work. So speaking of work, now we're going to dive into our topic for today. Tell us, what do you do? If you had to describe your work both professionally and and at home, because when we talk about our occupation, the work we do at home is also work. Um, how would you describe it? Yeah. I totally agree. And especially like this last year, it's been like more intertwined than ever, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I am, like I already said, a wife. I'm a mother of three, two that I birthed myself and one that's a bonus daughter that I gained through marriage. I would say, and this may, I don't know how people react to this, but I would say my life is defined by motherhood at this time. Um, My kids, you know, needed me more yesterday than they do today. And they'll need me less tomorrow than they do today. So for this short season, even though some days it feels like the longest season ever, like when are they going to be able to tie their own shoes? (laughs) Um, But for this season, I'm totally okay with most of my life. I still have time for me and friends and hubby, but it's definitely mostly defined by that. Mm -hmm. So I would describe myself indefinition of that. Real quick, before you go um, on to the professional piece, how old are your kids for the listeners? Sure. So my bonus daughter just turned 11 wow. and she had one of those breakable hearts. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, and my son will turn six this month and my daughter will turn four next month. So we're all got a whole bunch of Gemini. All of y'all, right? Yeah, all uh, yeah. Oh, you and your yeah. husband, yeah. except for except for our bonus daughter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, your whole household. Yeah, we're all Aries over here, so mm-hmm. it's a lot of fire. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So all Gemini's. We got y'all got y'all guys. Yeah. There's four of y'all, but it's really eight of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Sorry. So go ahead. So what do you do professionally? So professionally, Camille kind of already said it. I'm an instructional coach. I work in a high needs pre K to five school. Um, where right now I used to be a teacher there and now I'm a, a coach who supports teachers with their practice through modeling and coaching and feedback. I'm really whatever else they need. Mm-hmm. I'm there for them. Nice. I love it. All right. So tell us a little bit about your own personal story and upbringing and how it has impacted how you show up as a woman, specifically as you show up as an educator and a mother. Sure. So a little background, I grew up in, Maddie may know this, but I grew up in a rural, mostly white town in Western Pennsylvania um, with my parents and two older brothers and a younger sister and lots of cousins super close by. I will also say that I'm white. This might help give my background a little more Mm -hmm. context. Yeah. Um, We grew up in a really involved church and like really... Like everything we did was like as our family in our small circle. And I wonder sometimes if that's why mm-hmm. I like that so much mm-hmm. because that's what I grew up with mm-hmm. and who I was around. Mm-hmm. I would say like cooking in the kitchen and gardening with my mom and my grandmother probably really influenced a lot of, mm-hmm. of that part of me. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as an educator, I went to college in that same small town. Um, and I did an urban education program where I had the opportunity to teach in Philadelphia one summer. And the next summer I was in Bedside, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. So as you can imagine, 
white girl growing up in small town, Western Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. being immersed. That was really the first time in my life that I was part, of, not part of like the majority in the room, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really kind of opened my eyes to privilege and just like, where, how am I showing up in the world? So I think that's kind of where my walk in trying to seek to be more and more anti-racist probably kind of ignited mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm which is sad, right? To be in your twenties. And that's the first time you really mm-hmm. have to think about that. That speaks yeah. to the privilege itself, but Hey, we're here mm-hmm. and we're moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, my last year of college, I did an internship in Pittsburgh for the full year. And that was pretty close to where I grew up. So I kind of pictured just working in that city when I graduated, being close to family. I have a brother who lives in Pittsburgh, all of that. Um, but it turns out that year, the, district was like downsizing so I was like Mm -hmm. had to look somewhere else um I knew I still wanted to teach in a city so I applied to like Philly and Baltimore and DC and DC just ended up being the first place I got hired Mm -hmm. so I kind of just stepped out and was like guess I'm gonna go to DC I've only been there once in sixth grade for a field trip but (laughs) I'm gonna go live there now (laughs) so that's where I've been ever since you know my family learning to be the educator that I am all happened here Nice. And, and that's how you met your husband. Yes. Yeah. We both worked in uh, middle school in DC public schools and we were both actually, it's a funny story. I don't know how much time I have for this, but I, the, my second year working there, they over-enrolled the school and I had like 50, 47 and 48 kids in each of my sixth grade math classes. So they had to hire somebody to sort of relieve me of half my students. And that person was my current husband. So oh he kind of goodness. I know oh, he didn't tell But then you know, we're both teaching math to the same to the same group of kids. We had to do a lot of lesson planning, you know. The lesson so planning. Now that I remember <laughs> every time <laughs> every time. So my husband and her husband are are very good friends. He was the best man in our wedding. Um, every time he would reach out to him, we were dating early on, he'd be like, Man, I'm lesson planning. And my husband would be like, You and this girl doing a lot of lesson planning. <laughs> I do remember, I mean, I do, teaching is hard work. I do remember all of that. Um, <laughs> that's good. We love that. Okay. So that's sort of what's influenced how you show up today as mm-hmm. an educator, as a mom, all that good stuff. How and when did you know that you wanted to pursue education? Like when did that, like you, you said you went to college close to home, but how did you know what path you wanted to take? Do you have educators in your family or? You know, both my parents are in the healthcare field. There, yeah, I don't have a lot of, it's funny, like in my cousin set, there's more educators than there were ever like before that, mm-hmm. in, like the family tree. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just from a young age, I'm one of those people who's like, I always wanted to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. I really did. Like there were some other things I dabbled in, but ultimately like I was the one with my older cousins and siblings in the basement lining them <laughs> up at family get togethers, <laughs> you know, using worksheets that I asked my teacher if I could take the extra worksheets home. <laughs> To teach my siblings with them. So I always wanted to, to do that. I will say when I was that little, I always pictured like my perfect little class, you know, with rows of kids who look just like me. Mm. Um, and it's funny thinking back because now with my years of experience, I never actually taught a student that was the same race as me. You've so never like, had a white student? Mm-mm. Now that I'm coaching, I've worked with white students, wow. but in the classroom, wow. I never did. So how did you know yeah. you wanted to do the urban part? Like it just sounded interesting to you when you... Yeah. Yeah. My freshman year, like someone came and talked to one of our classes about uh-huh. it and I was like, 
Sure. That sounds interesting. Nice. Yeah. And did you always know that you wanted to be a mother? Oh, yeah. I would say I definitely always knew that too. Yeah. I think I had really great mom. And, you know, growing up with two brothers and a sister, you kind of get used to that dynamic. And I always probably wanted that for myself too. Got you. Yeah. Okay. Tanil? Yeah. So you've done a lot of work in the realm of teaching both students and teachers, mothering your three children and influencing others to consider intentionally raging, raising, I should say, conscious and curious kids. What would you say is the greatest personal lesson that you've learned from your work, both as an educator and as a mama, as it relates to intentional parenting? So I think this might be another cliche educator answer or teacher answer, but I really think the, per the greatest personal lesson that I've learned is that we're never done learning. Mm -hmm. And maybe if you think you're done, that's probably when you have more work to be mm. done, right? So as a, like for an example, as a coach, like I have the opportunity to work with teachers and try new strategies and do things all the time. But those teachers, a lot of times who are struggling, it's either because they're brand new, right? And they just need to be, learn and be exposed to new things. Or they've been doing it so long that they think they have it all and they're not willing to try new things. And I see that that lack of growth right there. And then that, of course, impacts students. Mm -hmm. And how that impacts, I think, to parenting is like anyone who has more than one child or even anyone who's interacted with more than one kid in a setting mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, whatever that might be, Sunday school or cousins or godchildren, whatever, mm -hmm. um, know that every child is super, different. super different. Yeah. So mm -hmm. what works to comfort one kid is totally different than another kid or what works to help a, um, a child by calm themselves down or show respect to somebody is totally different, right? So I think we have to constantly be learning new ways to approach everything that we do and not feel like I've done this. I have it. It worked for my parents, so it'll work for me. Mm, mm -hmm. I would say I'm a better daughter now, or not a better daughter, a better mother now than when I, you know, got my bonus daughter mm -hmm. eight years ago mm -hmm. through marriage. Mm -hmm. I thought I was, you know, handling things pretty well, but now I've done a full year of <laughs> having my kids do school from home while I'm teaching from home. I feel like I'm way better and had to grow in so many different ways. Because I was willing to think about like, how am I responding and what am I doing? Mm. You know, so being able to learn and do new things and challenge myself and really be able to connect with, again, my own actions, reactions as a parent. Um, that's really helpful. So we, that's probably the greatest personal lesson. We, we talk about in, in this same vein about you being intentional about raising conscious and curious kids. And we know that your kids are like little explorers. They're always mm -hmm. hiking and doing things and you're exposing them yeah. to so much. Can you talk to us about why that in particular is so important to you? Even like the content you put in front of them and what you right. read to them mm -hmm. and all that good stuff. Because I've learned a lot from you in that space. And I know that there's a lot that the mamas listening mm -hmm. can, can gain from that line of thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we just like time is precious, right? And it's like one of our most valuable assets. So what we do with our time, and this probably connects with my go, go, go. I'm always trying to do something more. Um, but what I've learned as a parent is even though you're doing more and more and doing all this stuff to help your kids be more curious about the world and more conscious about their place in the world, 
the more you have to like slow down and Mm -hmm. savor that with them. Mm -hmm. So um, we make intentional time together to do the hiking on the weekend, Mm -hmm. to go explore. Even just like lately, they've been really into playgrounds, I think, because we avoided them for so long. Mm -hmm. So like Mm -hmm. we're always trying to find a brand new playground. So it might not be hiking at Great Falls, but it's finding this new place to explore and sort of be together. Um, And the conscious part, I think it goes back to like, don't ever stop being willing to learn something new, right? Like it's okay. Even if your parents didn't, you know, to talk to your kids about race and what they look like and how they show up in the Mm -hmm. world. And why does mommy look peach, but these people in the world are calling her white, Mm -hmm. right? Because Mm -hmm. the color that we look isn't necessarily how the world views us. Mm -hmm. So in the same way, you're honey brown, but the world's going to look at you and see your daddy's black, Mm -hmm. you're black. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean to you as a Mm five-year-old? And we have those conversations. And I think you just have to not be afraid to open that dialogue um, with your kids. Yeah. even a young age. Yeah. And they're just like, they're so open. They're so open, whether to either thing, whether it's just about there is so much innocence and it's like they're open vessel there. It's like they're mm-hmm. and you're just kind of filling them up. So um, mm-hmm. I've noticed uh, Eliana loves to take uh, walks. We've been going on walks now that it's, you know, warmer and she notices so many things that I don't pay attention to, like every bird far in the distance, a bird, a bird, every insect, uh, every spider web. She's just like a lot of new experiences. Cause like you said, with the playground bit, we haven't done as much outside. Um, we've, right. you know, done walking and stuff, but now that she's getting older and more conscious, um, just being outside of the four walls of the home, she's just so open to so much. And so I am learning too, even as the parent of a toddler that, um, the books that we read to her, the stories that we share with her, um, even the conversations that my husband and I are having, like now we're we're getting to that age where I'm like, oh, she's, he- you know, she's hearing more. She's repeating things. So they are wide open. So we do have to be intentional. We can't just be sort of haphazard about what our kiddos take in because they are like absorbing everything. They call them sponges for a reason. Yeah, and it's true. And that's, you said the thing about the books. And I think that's one thing that my husband and I have been really intentional about is just making sure the little library that our kids have really reflects both them and the world that Mm -hmm. they live in, you know, and just regular books, not just some special, I mean, we do have like counting on Catherine because we want to learn those that are mathematicians, right? But we also have just (laughs) regular books about regular life with kids that look like them. And it's really important for them to see themselves in in books so that they can see themselves doing all these things in their own life. That, yeah. And the curious thing, like this, these cicadas mm-hmm. are coming out in full force and my kids are obsessed. obsessed. I have not uh, seen a cicada yet. I haven't seen one yet yeah, either, but it's ready. a bunch of them in my parents' backyard. Like my dad sent me a video oh, wow. of a tree. It was like hundreds. Wow. Oh, Ellie's wow. over there right now. So she's, I'm sure y'all don't know my dad, but. He's right. <laughs> having have her, her right climbing, touching them, <laughs> exploring them. Mm-hmm. My kids are like, look, mom, another shell. Yep. Look, there's another shell. It blew away. And I'm like, it sure did. <laughs> Ew. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I totally agree with this, seeing themselves too. And it's not always race. Like you said, it's it's so many different mm-hmm. things to see girl, you know, right. women in leadership or other young girls. Absolutely. We Ellie always wants to read Hair Love because the dad in the book, 
has a um, tattoo sleeve. And so my husband has tattoo, you know, design on his um, Mm -hmm. upper arm. And she always points to the arm and says, Dada, Dada, you know, Mm -hmm. versus some of the other dads in the books. They look kind of corny. They got like glasses and stuff and bow ties. And so... She loves that hair love because it, yeah. it you, you see the representation, like, like families look like all sorts of stuff. So mm-hmm. do you find books with mixed race families at all? Are there, have you been? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there definitely are. That was something that I looked for a lot, like when, before our son was born and then even mm-hmm. before our daughter was born, I found a book called um, Peanut Butter Big Brother Aww. as a black dad and a white mom and the little boy's dreaming of what his sister might be. Is she going to be like a mocha swirl or vanilla cone? Like it relates mm-hmm. to, to all these things. I love it. So that one's really great. I can't remember the author. And there's another one called Beautiful, Beautiful Me that just talks about, you know, everybody's being beautiful no matter there. If you um, remember the authors and the titles, send them to me and I'll drop them in the show notes for anybody who's interested in getting those or gifting them. Um, So you made a pretty pivotal and public decision earlier this year to shut down or perhaps put on the back burner a thriving side business, Arlie Aboard Co., um, so that you could focus on being more intentional with your family time, amongst other things, I'm sure your self-care and your marriage and everything else. But um, tell us a little bit more about how you came to that decision. Cause I know you spent some time really um, being very reflective uh, during like a busy holiday season. You were like, Nope, I'm going to pull back and figure out what it is that I'm doing. Um, how did you feel in that moment? And um, what have the last few months looked like for you since then? And I, I really want to dive into this because we have so many listeners who are side hustlers, podcasters, bloggers, who maybe need the permission to know that it's okay to pause, stop, revisit, whatever needs to be done. So can you talk to us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, it was a very, it was a hard decision and a decision that I had to take some time to make. Um, And for those that aren't familiar, I kind of started the, though I know a lot of your listeners are familiar because you shouted us out quite a bit. So they're probably familiar with our little boutique charcuterie. but I started it in December of 2019 and ended it in December of 2020. And so most of that was our 2020 year, which was mm-hmm. a lot of social unrest, right? Think George Floyd, Brown and Taylor, think COVID-19, right? So it was a really heavy mm-hmm. and uneasy time for people, mm-hmm. um, which made it actually a really good opportunity to create these boxes and these contactless deliveries that people could enjoy safely with family or gift to people that they couldn't be near. Mm -hmm. So it was a really unique opportunity to be um, really intentional with, you know, products I used in the business and how I, you know, shared everything with that with people. Mm. But, and that was mostly in the summer and, you know, I'm an educator, so I had lots of time in the summer. So as deliveries built up every day, I was like, I got, got this. (laughs) And then let me me pause and say this too. Rachel was contacting the people who were producing the foods that go on her boards, like, and where do you stand with Black Lives? I love and, it. And uh, more than a statement, like, what are you doing? And if she didn't get a satisfactory response, she would A, let them know that the response was not satisfactory and they need to reconsider. And B, 
I'm not putting your honeycombs on my board anymore. So shout nope. out to Rachel for walking the walking the talk. Not about better better honeycombs. Yes, black mm. honey. Shout out to Zach and Zoe. Zach and Zoe. Yes. Yeah. You yes. The jams. What's the um Trade Street? Is it Trade, trade Street mm-hmm. Jams and trade the jam Zach and Zoe? It's black people making everything out here, y'all. So That's it's true. no excuse not to find black owned. There's not. Though I will say, if you're interested in cheese and you're an entrepreneur, and you're Black, there's room for you there. There are not a lot of Black-owned cheese companies. And that goes mm-hmm. back, I could do a whole podcast. Well, I'm probably not qualified to do it, but <laughs> there's a whole lot about, you know, farming and why that's impacted why there's not so many, like, Black dairy farmers and cheese mm-hmm. makers because of the history of our country. So mm-hmm. you can Google that later. That would be yourself. interesting, though. You I should do a special... <laughs> A special IG live. She's IG live. Together. No one IG. I bet there's something out there already. Somebody's already talked about it. I mean, it, true. I yeah, everything. Everything might be out there, but okay. So sorry, I totally digress. But oh, yeah. I, I thought that was an important note. That's so yeah. So during that time of year, you were very intentional yeah. about that with your with the boards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like growing and growing over the summer. Literally growing by word of mouth by so many women. You know, started honestly with probably a lot through you all sharing and then it just kind of spread and spread and spread from there um so as it grew in the summer I didn't really mind but in the fall I'm getting back to school I'm an educator who's trying to teach you know brand new teachers and also teachers have been teaching 20 plus years how to teach virtually Mm -hmm. when I also haven't done it you know we had a little in the spring a taste of it but it's totally different when that's your full-time thing and you know it's going to be for a while Mm -hmm. I'm trying to do that trying to also parent and teach my kids who are online for school during the day. Um, and then trying to make 30 menus by a Thursday, that kind of thing. So there was a lot making sure I had all the inventory, everything. It was a lot. And your husband's also an educator. So y'all are everybody's everybody's home educating. (laughs) Yeah. The Lord helped us make it through. That's what I'll say. <laughs> that is what I'll say. But God. So with all of that, like people would ask, like, how are you doing this? I went home for like Thanksgiving. They're like, you know, well, maybe not Thanksgiving. It was earlier. But people were asking, like, how are you doing this? And I was like, you know what? It makes people so happy. So it makes me happy. Mm. Um, but eventually I had to like dig more into that and be like, is it making them more happy than it's making me? Mm. And I started to feel like, yes, mm. um, and sort of had to kind of ask myself questions. You know, anytime you get to the end of a, a year with a business, you sort of think about what will this look like next year? Mm-hmm. I'm growing and growing. How I continue to grow? What will that look like? What space? You know, all of that. Um, so I really had to ask myself, if, if this became my full-time gig, would I still like it as much? Would I be willing to give up these things mm. um, to continue doing this? Or am I comfortable just keeping it on the side? And I found more and more my answers were no. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I did it for this particular season. And I'm very grateful like to have learned, like, I never planned to be an entrepreneur. Mm. But I feel like I, there's some things there, some skills that I didn't yeah. know I had. So I'm grateful that I got to sort of pursue that. Um, and also, like, I feel like the charcuterie, which is, <laughs> seems like a trivial or a little luxurious thing, really did bless people in a really uneasy and heavy time. Yeah. So it did. I felt like we did this for this season, but I, I, I don't see myself doing it, you know, moving forward. And ultimately 
you know, my time is the most valuable thing. So having, you know, the more income was great. Blessing people was great. Being able to showcase all these businesses was great. Um, But for me at that point, it was more valuable to spend the extra time in the evening and weekends with, with my family than doing that extra side. Yeah. I I was just listening to one of our sister podcasts that we listened to, um, that we talked about on the show and we had guests on, um, babies, ex Bellinis, and they just shared their, um, last episode. And, um, in that last episode, they said so many of the things that you're saying now that, um, what they were doing and some of the guilt that they, the reason they even took so long to make the decision is because they kind of felt some guilt around the listeners and letting down the listeners and just having to make the decision that we love you all, but it it, it would be like counterintuitive to do something that we knew was hurting us, not hurting us, but no longer aligned to where we were and taking away from our family time and our needs. And, you know, they were talking about the same thing, being in that virtual space and, um, it was just a lot to do. And so as much as they loved it and had fun doing it, they had to make that hard decision. So um, I'm I'm glad that you shared that because I feel like there are maybe many others who who just, like you said, just need the permission to, to, to do the hard things. The hard so thing, since yeah. then, how have you been feeling? Any regrets? Yeah. So no, no regrets at this point. I actually, like, you know, Mother's Day just happened. So I still get, I keep our Leaborn co-active kind of smart. Like and I still constantly get messages about ordering or when you're open. Um, so that's kind of funny. So I still get that. And, but because of that, I'm able to, they're always asking for new people to mm. recommend. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not open, who can I go to? So I'm able to feature lots of black or minority owned um, charcuterie businesses mm. in particular. Mm-hmm. So I might go to Bianca, go to uh, Geneva, go to these people who are in the area trying to grow who are still super passionate about it. So nice. being able to see some of those businesses grow, I don't think it's just because I'm not in the scene anymore, though. I do think you know, I had hair, a very girl. good item. <laughs> I do think I had a very high quality item. Oh, you did. Um, <laughs> that was a little different than what other people offered. It's been exciting to see those other companies grow who who want to be growing and still have you know space and time for that. Um, but as far as in my personal life, I, I still ask myself, how in the world did I do that all? Because I still feel very busy, busy. as hell. Like, right. Always, <laughs> yeah. like, how did I also do that? Um, but aside from all that, like my husband and I have been really intentional about, you know, having game nights and movie nights. Mm-hmm. My kids are really into like all these card games I got for Christmas, mm-hmm. like um, some animal rummy and goldfish mm-hmm. and old maid. Like they just want to play card games on the deck. I <laughs> loved old maid yeah. as a it's child. <laughs> Meanwhile, they like bent the old maid card a little bit. So they know. Like, where it's the me. How do you know that at three years old? How do you know? <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, like my kids are in the co- kitchen cooking with me every night and I'm not worried. Like I've got to do all these menus or I got to make sure I order this stuff. Um, and we do cook every night except for like our Black Food Friday. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, we're back to hikes and like I said, going yeah. to playgrounds. And it's not perfect mm-hmm. by any means. Mm-hmm. still busy, but I'm working to find that balance. Um, and grateful to know there's other charcuterie and I wasn't the only person that could make people so happy with mean, it. And people yeah. are finding other places to go and actually even making their own stuff now. Nice. So. Yeah, I made my own and I thought it was pretty darn good. I'm making my own today. Rach, I might be FaceTiming you right after this. I have a cheese cheese related question. (laughs) 
you can. I am still a resource. Are you still making boards for your family? I know that your children love to graze on the mm-hmm. boards and mm-hmm. things like that. They do. It. Yeah. If we don't, if we're not going anywhere, like on a Saturday, I'll still, yeah, put something together. Probably not as much as I used to. I might have burnt myself out on that a little bit. Yeah, but, like board overload. Yeah, they still really okay. like them. Actually, my kids will make like boards for themselves for lunch every day. Like they'll be like, mom, we got our protein. We got pistachio. Oh. We have strawberries. We have crackers. They make their own board snacks all the this time. This is what so. I'm saying Love about it. exposing these kids, this empty right. vessel. Like they, they, you, you can only be what you see. So it's like, yeah. if they seeing something, it's not going to be new to them. It's like, our children, the level of luxury that they experience to me. They're going to be on ultra beam when they get older. <laughs> well, you know my kids won't eat like cheese sticks. They don't eat cheese sticks. They only eat like the little fresh mozzarella balls. This is what like, I'm saying. Like, These kids That's are, they, they are next level. But I love, really I love, are. I love it for this next generation. <laughs> X, Y, Z. I don't know what's after Z. This, the, these little bit babies, whatever this generation is, they're going to be high class, honey. Mm-hmm. They better be. I hope them wages go along with that high classness. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go on to the next question. So, you and your husband are raising biracial children, as we've discussed, who show up in the world as black. Um, you have been especially intentional about understanding their unique experience experiences and about educating others in your sphere about being actively anti-racist. Give our listeners one or two key pieces of advice um, in terms of resources or um, anything that you would recommend them do to help them raise, guide, and coach the next generation. That's good. Okay. Well, I will sort of qualify, not qualify, but before I say what I'm going to say. I'll say as a white woman, I don't consider myself like an authority mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. space. I very much just think that I'm somebody who is working right alongside so many others mm-hmm. that are moving towards this, you know, being more aware and conscious of um, how our practices are either racist or they're anti-racist. Mm-hmm. There's no real in between. Mm-hmm. So with all that said, I think before you can be a more conscious and intentional parent in that arena, you have to look in towards yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be pretty hard to like coach the next generation if you haven't done that work and gotten uncomfortable with yourself. So particularly for white people, I would say if you see an injustice and you don't know what to do or respond, just start listening. There's so much out there mm. that you can just listen to. And if you're not sure what to listen to, read something Mm -hmm. if you don't know what to read don't ask people what to read don't ask i'm gonna say don't ask your black friend what to read um or you know how something feels do your own research there's Mm -hmm. so much out there and there's so many people that you can purchase you know their work Mm -hmm. and learn from Mm -hmm. um so get out there and do your own research Mm -hmm. um and i would say if you don't know what to do when you feel like this is too big of a thing well yeah it's too big of a thing like that's us this is our whole institution that we live in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so nobody can fix the whole thing, but there are opportunities to donate, right? Or support Black-owned businesses, you know, so many organizations, Equal Justice Initiative, you know, all of those things that you can do without, you know, trying to fix the whole problem. Mm-hmm. I think people can get stuck thinking like, you know, I support and I'm not racist, but then what are you doing? What's that next step so that you're not 
perpetually helping. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're not making those racial inequities persist. Mm -hmm. You're actively trying to to dismantle whatever. So I would say first do that inner work for anybody. That's good. Um, But particularly probably white people or people in like an interracial. And you say in particularly, but I do want to call out the fact that black people can be racist as well. So we need to do our own work. Right. Because we can be racist against other races. So, you know, yes, we're we're focusing on, you know, especially now with all the social unrest and everything kind of black versus white. But I I just also want to call it out for ourselves as well, because there are people in like I'll say and, you know, my family and maybe your family, too, who have some of these same ideals that perpetuate racism. These so prejudices. To, yeah. yeah. And, and I just wanted to call that out. I would even say within the black community, we can be more conscious um, about how we're parenting our kids, our black kids around their own blackness and relating with mm-hmm. other black people. And how do they look at black people versus the rest of the world, because there's perceived racism, there's institutional racism, there's internalized racism, right? So um, I think this is important for us to think about how do I look at myself? Has any of that seeped into my, you know, um, uh, self-perception? And then what am I projecting onto my children as a black person? So I think that's important because some of that, some of that, what they call the slave mentality or whatever, there is some self-hatred. Yes. That, um, that, perseveres. And I think it's Mm -hmm. important for us to be reflective about that and do some of the self-work because we've talked about on lots of other episodes about other issues, like people project. So Mm -hmm. if you find yourself projecting what's going on inside of you, so there's that, but go ahead, Rach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 yeah, And I can't speak to that side, but I'm Mm -hmm. glad you both did. And I think, yeah, that just speaks to how we all have that internal work to do Mm -hmm. and living in the country that we do with the history that we do. We're all a mess and we need to to figure this all all out together so we can move forward, Um, which makes it so much more important, right? To make sure that we do that. So we help the next generation and are really intentional about making sure that we can do everything we can to, to help whatever world our kids live in, that that is not going to persist with them. Yeah. And I think like um, when we were talking even about the books and the imagery, just to even just go back to parenting black kids, um, what, you know, um, colorism and standards Mm -hmm. of beauty and hair, particularly when it comes to our little girls, like language that we use inside the family and inside the home. um, It's, it's, it can be ugly. And um, my, my side of the family is where my parents are immigrated from Ethiopia, but it still persists in terms of colorism and all of those things. And then my husband's side of the family is black American, but you hear it, you see it. And, um, you know, our, our, our parents' generation, I think are fairly conscious about it, but we have done even better than them because they be saying right. some stuff that's outrageous. My grandmother, forget about it. Just, <laughs> they just was saying anything. So I think it is important for us to be conscious of that because that stuff will seep into how kids think about themselves. Child, I still got some uncles that be saying anything. They ain't grandmas and grandpas, but my uncles be on one. I'm I'm telling you, I had a who was so like, stay out of the sun and and don't play outside because you get darker and all that kind of stuff. It seeps in. And I I remember saying to my mom, like, well, what's wrong with that? It's just, you know, getting a tan, have my sunscreen on. And that's when I started to like learn. Um, And that was, you know, somebody, very close family member. So, yeah, just another, I just think it's so important for us because I know most of our listeners are Black women. And I think it's just so important for us to, like, um, 
name our own stuff and and work on it and not perpetuate yeah. those generational things. Yeah. So. Yeah, 100%. And then you said, are there any resources? Mm-hmm. So I would say a resource that um, I I and my husband both really value is the Conscious Kid, mm-hmm. which is like an organization that works really hard to promote um, positive racial identities in all kids of all races. Um, they share tons of research and um, resources that support people to disrupt racism in kids, kind of like we talked about, so that it doesn't persist. And it's helped us really learn how to talk to our kids about race at a, at a super young age. And also, um, as an educator, it's helped me to find good resources to use with teachers and students. So I would encourage anyone to check out their Instagram page. It's just The Conscious Kid. Um, and then if you enjoy what you see, I would also encourage you to, to visit their Patreon and consider donating to them. It's a little, a really little action that you can do. Their lowest rate, I think, is like a dollar a month. You can mm-hmm. do that, and that's just one little thing you can do to help that sort of essential work keep moving forward. That's good. That's very doable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, last question in this sort of segment. If there is one actionable thing that people can do, that our listeners can do right now to prepare to become more intentional in how we guide and raise up our kids, and it doesn't have to be about anti-racism, but just intentionality and mindful parenting, if there's just one thing that people could, you know, um, end this episode and do th- today or this week. What what would that thing be? So something that we could do to be more actionable and prepare our kids um, in a more intentional way. I think it's to ask questions, and that would be both of ourselves and of our children. So when I say ask them of yourself, be willing, and I keep saying actions or reactions, but be willing to constantly question your own actions and reactions in regards to your kids. So something mm-hmm. like. Am I doing this because my parents did it and I turned out fine? Or is this way that I'm engaging with my child, helping to build them up and show them their value? So Mm -hmm. how is what I'm saying helping to do that? And if it's not, is there really a reason for me to be saying that? Mm -hmm. When the whole world is going to be coming at them, why does the person they love the most need to be doing that? Mm -hmm. And then something like how are my actions right now? sort of giving an example for my children for how to spend their time or their resources or to speak up for others. Mm-hmm. So just be willing to to look in. It's a super mindful practice, right? I know Maddie super into mindfulness and being reflective in that way. So I think the more you get used to thinking and reflecting on your own actions or um, reactions, like I said, the more thoughtful you'll be as you engage with your kids. And then also be willing, this is something I've always done with my students, and I don't know if it stems from, it probably stems from being an educator first and then a parent, is you have to be willing to ask your kids questions, you know, when they're frustrated or when you're frustrated with their behavior, Mm -hmm. pause and acknowledge their feelings and say, like, I see you're upset. What do you need right now? A lot of times with my one daughter, it's just, she just needs a hug. Mm -hmm. Um, With my son, he needs to air out everything and talk about <laughs> every little detail of something that happened. And then we talk about, you know, what could you do differently next time so it doesn't go that way? Mm-hmm. Or saying something like, you know, what you said was disrespectful, but I know you really love your sister and you wouldn't mean something like that. So what could you maybe do differently next time? Mm. Or if we're thinking more like globally with the world, like, look at what just happened. This person was hurt just because of the color of their skin. Mm. Do you think that's fair? How does Mm. it make you feel? Mm. 
I have those conversations with my kids and I know a lot of people do, um, but doing that helps acknowledge, you know, that your child, even if they're five or six or eight or three, even, um, has their own own ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're their own person. And it, it, by doing that, you help equip them to be more thoughtful. Yes. And even I would say more resilient. Self-aware. Because mm-hmm. this not self-aware. Lot of ninjas out here who is not self-aware and people mm-hmm. are paying for it. So we need these mm-hmm. self-aware young men and women because when they grow up and as they evolve and navigate the world mm-hmm. and then get into relationships, we I mean, we we <laughs> we don't yeah. want to have to deal with, you know. Nonsense because start, yes. save, me, save me, okay? <laughs> yes. All right, good stuff. Thank you, Rachel. So now it's time for our deep dive. Yeah. So we're gonna this is gonna be lightning round. So we're gonna ask you a couple of questions. We want the first thing that kind of naturally comes to mind. So, what is the biggest surprise you've had in the last few months? In the last I mean, is this che- being asked to be on the show? I don't know. Yeah. That was a really big surprise for me. I didn't expect that. I'm honored. Really? To be in this space with you. I love listening to your girl talk each week, but that was probably the biggest surprise is being asked to come on. I love it. And I think, and I'm, this is supposed to be lightning round, but I just want to like celebrate and acknowledge you for doing the work. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I believe you were asked because you show up authentically. Um, in wanting to to do this work and to share it with your children so that they show up in the world differently. Um, and so I just applaud you for that. So and thank you. I'll yeah. also add too, for this podcast, 90% of the people on this podcast are like people we really know. True. Like in, like in real, real life. life. <laughs> like some of them might have a half a million followers because they that's what they're doing. Some of them might have zero. And that's, you know, the, the people that we sit around the table with, we are not measuring mm-hmm. by their, you know, their um, reach work or, or their reach or their influence yeah. or their Instagram or whatever. Yeah. And not just the table here at the podcast, but like the table at, at, at downstairs in my dining room. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. um, I think that it's important for us to just be anchored in that sense of just like, authenticity like we talk about it all the time like we just want to be have a conversation with our girlfriends so thank you for being one of our good girlfriends yeah all right question number two what's something that you're really excited about right now you don't have to ask me that twice i am a teacher so i am excited for summer right now this has been the longest year in the history of education and i am ready for summer break i don't want to do I thought about doing a class this summer and I was like, nope, Mm-mm. I'm just going to be home with the kids. You know, I still don't escape all that, yeah. but you know, we'll get away and do something probably for our anniversary. But mm. yeah, summer, 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 summer. Break. That's good. All right. So what's a failure or setback that you're proud of? I think, I don't know if it's a failure. Um, like when I, picture my whole life like teaching close to home and being in Pittsburgh but then like the the district like um I'm not speaking quickly the district downside that's mm-hmm, the word mm-hmm. I'm looking for so when I thought I was going to be teaching in Pittsburgh and it downsides and I was forced to kind of step out of my comfort zone of being close to home mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. find something else and then I ended up coming to DC and like my whole life is what it is now mm-hmm. because I did that stepping out um that's probably what I'm most proud of being willing to do that and 
And here I am. The pivot. The pivot. Yep, the pivot. (laughs) Yes, indeed. All right, question number four. What is something that you stand in need of right now outside of a summer break? Is there anything that we can um, support you on? Is there anything we can pray for you about? I would say patience. Um, We have, my husband and I have been in the process of sort of fixing up and restoring a home that is in his family that we'll be purchasing um, from his family so that we can move in and be there. And it is, let me just tell you, if you're in the Instagram world of like DIY home improvement, stuff seems like it gets done like really fast, (laughs) but it takes so long. So just patient, like we wanted to be there this month and now we're looking at June and I'm wondering right now, is it going to be July? So just patience and helping me to savor where we are right now and keep enjoying everything and not just, you know, looking towards that next thing, but really being present in where we are right now. All right. We'll definitely keep that in prayer and keep us posted for when the housewarming is. We'll we'll be by with uh, some black girl magic wine. (laughs) The sparkling rosé or the red bag. She knew exactly what she wanted. Don't be afraid to ask for what you want. Okay. That's a nugget right there. If one thing of Angela is, she's going to have a rosé. Yes. Sparkling. Sparkling rosé. Sparkling rosé. Yeah. I love it. So thank you so much for being here today, for spending time with us, for, um, you say you're a hard nut to crack, so opening the shell a little bit and, and talking yeah. to us. Um, people might have questions or might want to follow up or reach out to you. Is there a way that they can find you? Yeah. I mean, you can always find me. I'm on Rachel Arlia on Instagram. You'll see that I keep my circle pretty small and try to stay around 200, mm-hmm. but perhaps I'll be willing to, to open up to some more. Oh, no want to, to visit. I might Dang, I'm glad I made that. it in the number. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are in the number. Um, you can also contact me through Arlie Borco. Mm-hmm. That, that Instagram is still going. And if you need inspiration for your own charcuterie, you can look there too. <laughs> Lovely. All right. And now it's time for a word with Madden. So the scripture for today, train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22, 5. So here's my thought. How we speak to one another matters. Words have a lot of power. How we speak to our young people matters even more. Our voices will one day help to narrate their inner voices. Um, The ones that say you are worthy or you're not the ones that say you are capable or you're not good enough. So let us all be mindful of the words that we speak to our children and the young people in our spheres of influence. What we do also matters. Titus 2.7 says, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works and in your teaching, show integrity and dignity. Our kids are watching how we speak, not just to them, but to one another whether or not we gossip, what we say about those who are different than us when they aren't listening, how we treat those that can't do too much for us, and how we treat those who can, and most importantly, how we treat and talk about ourselves. Finally, what we consume and are exposed to matters, not just in the physical sense of healthy foods and clean non-toxic products, but the media, the music, the conversation, the culture, and other norms that they are immersed in and ingesting. Exposing our kids to as much as we can to open their minds to the life experiences of others 
will help them to practice empathy. Exposing them to various cultures, foods, languages, and music will deepen their relationships with others and their sense of humanity. And exposing them to nature and animals and even bugs and outdoors will help them uh, to be more grounded and to center them and really to help them unplug um, and appreciate God's wonderful creation. So today's proverb is a reminder that the actions that we take on today, whether it's how we speak to our kids, what we model for them, or what we teach and expose them to, will shape their tomorrow. So let's all agree to be intentional. Here's the practice. Take a moment right now to reflect on the words that you speak, the behaviors that you model, and the influences that you are exposing your children to. Once you identify some room to improve, and we all have some room to improve in your own intentional parenting journey, commit to practicing mindfulness in just one of those areas in the coming week. And that is a word with Madden. And now it's time for the question. Of the episode. episode. <laughs> All right. So today's question. Oh, this is a side note. Hmm. So last week when we had our guest on and we lost the episode, our question of the episode was like on point. We were in harmony and everything. And we lost it. We said we were gonna like record we it and make we have that piece of it, Tanil, because it was in the oh. second half. We lost her audio. True. Marcus, see if you can't cut. We can cut and paste because we sounded really good. We did sound really good. Even the guests had to acknowledge that. She did. Right, she was like, oh, you. I, I, <laughs> she's someone that we don't know that well. She was referred to us to the show, so we were just meeting her. So mm-hmm. I don't know if she's familiar with the show. She's like, you guys sound great. Tanil's like, yeah, this is not a norm for us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to this week's question. So we know that intentional parenting matters, and that so much of how we show up in the world as adults, um, sorry, let me start over. We know that intentional parenting matters and that's so much of just, not just how we show up in the world as adults, but how we think can be linked to our upbringing and influences from our formative years. Mm -hmm. So the question is, how will you be more intentional about addressing your inner voice this week? Whether it's imposter syndrome, perfectionism, or some other type of fear-based thinking, how can you work on addressing it? So I am going to actually start with Maddie. Hmm. Yeah. So I have already been kind of working on this lately and I am um, continuing to work on it. And it's something I've really been inspired by, by Tennille. And it's like, now that the world is opening back up and I still have my COVID-19 pounds on me, I have been not so kind to myself about mm-hmm. clothes not fitting or having to buy new clothes. And I don't really like the way I look in the clothes. So I have been practicing just really saying and speaking encouraging things to myself. I don't necessarily know if this is something that came from my upbringing because I was I was always skinny. Um I always felt the opposite. You know, people say you're too skinny. So maybe, right? You're too this, you're too that. But I have been really intentional about being like, hey, even while I'm working on things to get to a place where I feel comfortable, that doesn't mean that I have to shame myself or whatever in the process. So y'all have heard me talk a lot about this this season because it's something that's different for me. It's a a new space for me to just be in this new 
uh, body from the pandemic and from being a mom, things are loose and, you know, things are just different. Mm So um, I'm just going to slay these outfits, you know, in the meantime, in between time. So when Tanil had a crop top on for her 40th, I was like, well, shit, I'm about to put on a crop top. (laughs) (laughs) She was was like looking the bomb because she felt the bomb. So that's where I'm at with it. Y'all going to get this summer's going to get whatever it is that I have to give. And that's on period. Um. And that is one period. <laughs> no, but it, you know, it really is all about how you feel about yourself. And on that day, I was like, I am about to wear this crop top. I didn't care who said, why do you have on a crop top? I didn't care that in some of the pictures, my little muffin top is like hanging over a little bit. Like, it doesn't really matter if you love it and it makes you feel good, go with it. And you have to embrace where you are. <laughs> What you say? Doesn't love a little muffin. Everybody loves a little <laughs> muffin. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> good. Okay, Tanil, what about you? We're gonna give Rachel some time to think. Yeah. So for me, it actually um, has something kind of similar. Just embracing where I am and not being caught up in what people say about my like say about me because that like you said it creeps into your inner voice and it um has the ability to shape how you think about yourself so for an example um most of you all probably know from following us on instagram i am in this space of wearing my straight well my hair blown out right and there was a season where i was wearing my hair curly and natural and now everybody's like oh you look so much like softer or oh i like your hair straight or you know I mean, and you can have a preference right but i think what happens is sometimes those um compliments are a little bit of digs mm-hmm. into this is how you should look going forward and you just need to know that you have the freedom to be and do whatever you want like I can't say that in a month when it's you know warm outside and I can rock my curls that I'm not gonna do it and I'm gonna love them and you're just gonna have to love them too Mm -hmm. so just again speaking great things to yourself and not letting the outside world infiltrate you with all of the things they think you should be it's a constant work for me so and there's that projection again and there's that hair stuff and that color stuff and all the things. So if you feel that way, rewind back to the middle of this episode so you can do back. some self-reflection about your projection. All right, Rachel. Yeah, well, I appreciate you giving me a little more time. Um, but I think maybe just thinking about how, like I mentioned that I need patience, right? You said, what do you see in an email? And I said patience. And I'm thinking like how often during the week my thoughts go to this isn't done yet there and how long is it going to take to do this closet Mm -hmm. and how long and just kind of like focusing on all of the things that aren't done or aren't ready. Um, So I think I want to focus on being just more mindful on not only, like I said, favoring the moments that we're still having, we're very much still doing life together. And Mm -hmm. of course tomorrow isn't promised. Right. So like, why am I living for this future time when we're in the house, when we're living and doing life together right now? So I think just really monitoring my thoughts and asking myself those questions, you know. Yeah. And me to savor that more. Just from like conversations that we've had with women over the last couple of days, I feel like 
it's hard for us sometimes to just be in the moment and to live in the season that we're in and be comfortable with it. Everybody, and I think it has something to do with the society that we're living in now, even though we've been in the house for the past year and some change, Mm -hmm. everybody is still in this like hustle mode. I have to, you know, be the brand that I see on Instagram, like all of these things. And you don't have to be any of those things. You can just be and relish in where you are at that exact moment. Like we, I think we're getting so caught up in. It's too much. I was thinking like, what if I just took Love Madden off Instagram and whoever wants to get it can come to the website or find me and get it. Cause the Instagram is, it's, it's too much. It's It's like the Truman Show. Everybody is getting up, making content every day. And (laughs) It's exhausting. That was a whole other thing that I, I didn't list before with Arlie yeah. Borco. That was you had to host stuff out every day, post stuff every day for people to be able to still see your content. And then it people find a lot of algorithm, and it's like yeah. things to do. I'm gonna be out here living my life, not fake recording my life for Instagram. Girl, so. it's too much. It's too you much. Get what you get. More power mm-hmm. to you all. So. Mm-hmm. Thank you. God bless you. Good night, Rachel. Thank you so much (laughs) for participating, (laughs) for joining us. Um, We love you and we can't wait to see all the great things that you do moving forward. Thank you. All right, y'all. We'll see you on the other side. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Love Madden, the podcast. Wait, are you subscribed yet? If not, what are you waiting for? Show us some love and subscribe, share, rate, and review. Yes, and then let's keep talking at lovemadden.com and at lovemadden on social. That's L-O-V-E-M-A-A-D-E-N. And connect with me at Tennille Daniels. That's T-E-N-N-I-L-L-E Daniels.